Welcome back, guys, to the Full Public Sports Show. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you guys for tuning in to today's episode. Currently being recorded at 7.50 in the morning. Hopefully you guys are having a great morning so far. Whatever you guys are doing, I hope you guys have a great day. But uh, don't forget to go ahead and rate the podcast on both Google and Apple Podcasts, as well as checking, as well as just letting me know how well the episode does. I really hope that you know you guys enjoy it. And if you guys are new, I say this every time, but I always leave my social media accounts in the description box. Go check that out. Let me know how well the episode was. Let me know if you guys want to see anything different. Um, or if there's anything you'd like to see. Or or there's something that you would like to be spoken about more. That you guys, you know, want to see something more of that I'm already doing. But, you know, more in depth. Or just anything different. Whatever you guys have. And then, uh, to cover all of the important off-season things that we have so far yet to come. You know, all the off-season news that we have yet to discover until the season begins. So you guys don't miss out. Make sure you go to anchor.fm slash blitz. Again, anchor.fm slash blitz. Make sure you hit the follow button so you stay notified whenever I upload. So that way you stay up to date with the most recent, you know, NFL offseason news, you know, so you don't miss out. If you ever get bored of the content, I don't want to hold you guys back. You guys can unfollow if you want. But so you hear all the offseason news, make sure to hit the follow button, you know, and all that good stuff. So let's get into today's episode. Nothing crazy. And uh, yeah, so. First thing here is now there's a main there's a kind of a reason why I added this first thing. Um, there's something I wanted to specifically say about it. So the I'm sure you guys have been hearing about the Drew Lock Teddy Bridgewater quarterback battle in Denver. I'm sure you guys have heard about it. What's going on? Now they're saying you know and this is honestly kind of something I expected. But to the to, it's going to go into training camp. It's going to go through training camp, and it could potentially take all three preseason games. Now, if you want me to be honest, that's probably the best bet. I think that just I think deciding through training camp, yeah, I I think that that could simulate. But I mean, I think it's better to go through all three, you know, all three preseason games. Now, yeah, they're only doing three and not doing all the four, but there's still, you know, it's still more than what we got last season. We didn't get any at all. And so it's still better than nothing. And, yeah, the three preseason games, that's just a part of the update. That's really not even, that's technically normal because that's a new rule. It's a new thing this year. So, um, but, yeah, so I, you know, I think that that's the best decision, though, that they could make because I feel like if they were to try to decide in training camp, it would be almost like a rush. Like it would be like a rush decision. I think that you can. I I think that you can only simulate so much in a training camp. Like you can do a lot of situational football in training camp, and I understand that because you have all fifty-three men on the field, or not on the field, sitting, you know, but fifty-three men 
in a situation, in a game, real game situation, and I feel like there's only so much you can do in training camp to simulate that. And so I feel like if you want to get the best possible, you know, result as far as who's going to play, I think that, you know, I think that playing in all three situational and all three preseason games will give you the best situational football result that you're looking for. You know, that's the three preseason games is going to give the two quarterbacks the best situational football scenarios that you could give them way better than anyone could give them in training camp. Uh, you, you can, again, you can only go so far in training camp, and I just feel like this is the best scenario. Now, as far as who I think it should be, see, it's tough because Teddy Bridgewater, he's been in the league a lot longer than Drew Locke, obviously. He's going to know a lot more as far as the ropes of football, you know, He's going to know all the basics. He's going to know. He, he's a guy that could probably teach you a, a thing or two. Now, this is this thing. That, this, see, this is this is the weird part because you have Drew Locke who obviously knows the offense. He knows the, he knows the, the, um, he knows, he knows his offense and he knows like the team. Whereas, and he, he could easily, like, he could start because of knowing that, not because of having that knowledge. But then there's Teddy Bridgewater, who's also been on multiple teams. He's been in the league a lot longer. So he knows more general about, he knows in general more about football. So, you know, he's going to, well, I mean, Drew Locke knows all about football too, but I mean, Teddy Bridgewater is going to have a lot more, Knowledge and a lot more experience behind it, I guess, is the word I was looking for. So, it's like you got one guy who's knowledge-specific with a certain team, and then you have another guy who's more, just more league experience and more, and he's able to just kind of learn the ins and outs of it as he gets to a new team because he's been to so many and he's been in the league long enough to understand. So, and to really like truly grasp it. And so I think that if I had to personally choose, I think that I would go, I mean, if you're looking for, if you're looking at Teddy Bridgewater being a role model for Drew Locke, and being a veteran presence, then yeah, this is a good move to put Bridgewater as QB1. But if you're looking as far as just best results right now, which they haven't been good in so long, I think that they're finally actually starting to turn up something. Uh, I, you know, obviously Teddy Bridgewater isn't your number one long-term. You're looking at Drew Locke being long-term. So I think that if you're looking at it that way, I think that Drew Locke's probably your best bet to start him because, you know, you've already started him, and he ain't going to get any better just sitting on the sidelines. So I think if you're looking at it from that perspective, Drew Locke, and I think that if I had to pick right now, like, for sure who's going to, like, like, if I had to pick right now, 
and my answer was going to be who starts, it would, I would say Drew Locke. Uh, it just it would make more sense to me. I think I think Teddy Bridgewater would be one of those options where if Drew Locke was really going downhill and the team was – and it wasn't even just Drew Locke's fault. It was like the entire team. The season's just not going the way they want it to go. You don't want Drew Locke to get hurt. You put Teddy Bridgewater in. That, that's, that's the only situation where I feel like Teddy Bridgewater should be in the game should be on the field anyway, or that, or, you know, he gets hurt or something. So, but let's get into the article. Uh, that was my piece on it. I just kind of want to skim the article now. But uh, so the quarterback battle between Drew Luck and Teddy Bridgewater will start in training camp and that they, and the Broncos will report for training camp on July 27th. So a week from now, Broncos, has simply laid the groundwork for the competition between Locke and Bridgewater heading into the summer break. Coach Vic Fangio noted that it was much too early to make any assumptions about where the quarterbacks were in the race for starting gig. James Palmer of NFL Network noted on Monday on NFL Now that the Broncos believe just 2 to 3% of their quarterback assessments have taken place. The bulk of that is coming during camps, during camp practices within the preseason games, and they're not going to make too quick an too quick of an of a decision either, because obviously they're going to let it go through the three preseason games. You got a long ways till those are even done, and this is what James Palmer actually had to say um, about the situation, saying, quote, this could go to my understanding through all three preseason games before they make a decision. That's where they stand right now when they look at both of these quarterbacks. And quote, and that's and that's a good thing because again, you can only go so far when it comes to situational foot like was speaking from the terms of situational football, you hear it all the time, right? Situational football. Getting in a game day scenario, getting in a game situation where it's when when you know whether it's and it's a decision coming down to win or lose at this point. You can only go so far with that in preseason in, in training camp. Preseason is gonna give you the best simulation without actually playing a game that matters. And you can actually feel those moments too. And so I think that what what I think they're gonna do is I think the quarterback they're leaning towards the most that's who they're probably going to start. I, I feel like the guy that they're going to – obviously, this is what every team would do. The guy that you're leaning towards the most is going to play the most. That or you're just going to go completely 50-50 the entire time and see who ends up farther. If that's really how, like, just not sure they are, that could be a route that they end up taking and avenue that they pursue. Who knows? But breaking it down a little bit further – The preseason, the, the NFL's breakdown of the new preseason schedule, only three games with the addition of, a, of course, a 17th regular season game. Has I, I mean, I've personally heard a lot of problems with how coaches are going to and how teams are going to kind of line up, you know, line up with the regular season and ramp up to those, you know, regular season games from preseason because normally they're so used to having four. Now you go down to three. And how they're going to basically get their starters prepared and get their and get the other, 
you know, bench players enough time to get some reps in and just to kind of get them on the field of it, see what they can do. Normally with normally they're so used to doing that with four and they're easily to they're easy they're easily able to kind of get in a, a little schedule because you know they're so used to having four games that they could just use the same schedule every year. Well now you have to come up with something different because it's three. And so you know it's 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 tough how these teams are gonna do it. And I'm genuinely curious to see how some of these teams kind of do that ramp up because normally it's pretty smooth transition because they've had four games the whole this whole time. Now it goes down to three. So we'll see what happens there. But as far as the Broncos specifically, they kick off their preseason schedule against the Minnesota Vikings. Teddy Bridgewater is, of course, first team Saturday, August 14th at 4 p.m. Then they face Seattle Saturday, August 21st, 10 p.m. And round on the slate versus the L.A. Rams, August 28th at 9.05. So there is that. Let me know what you guys think about this situation. Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater situation down below. And let me know how accurate you guys think my my uh, thoughts were on that. If you guys think the same thing. Next thing here, though, is the Chargers and, or, excuse me, former Chargers defensive end Melvin Ingram signing a one-year deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm sure you guys heard about this yesterday. So, first real taste First real free agency situation officially in the books went into July and its conclusion, Melvin Ingram going to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, signing a one-year deal with the Steelers. Ian Rappaport of NFL Network has reported on this signing. The signing came following Ingram's Monday visit with the club. So... Let's talk Melvin Ingram as far as his free agency goes. Had some interest from the Miami, you know, from the Kansas City Chiefs, Miami Dolphins this offseason. We'll feel a mercenary-like need for the Steelers as far as their defense because it has kind of taken somewhat of a hit. Uh, it is, you know, the free agent departure of Bud Dupree this past offseason. Ingram in pursuit of employment after spending his entire nine-year NFL career in Southern California with the Chargers. Ingram is one sack shy of 50, 50 sacks for his career with a chance to play opposite T.J. Watt. Likely he'll reach that milestone at 21, providing he can remain healthy. Ingram was limited to seven games last season with a persistent knee injury, knee issue actually in 2020 that didn't leave him alone. Final campaign with the Chargers, keeping that in mind as well. So, yeah, Melvin Ingram signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And other news in the league on Monday, actually, is Vikings defensive tackle Michael, Michael Pierce suffered calf injury while training this summer. This availability for the start of camp is in doubt. Pierce could miss time during camp with injuries and expected to keep him off the field for the 21 regular season. Stephon Gilmore open is open to a multi-year extension with New England on a, or a one-year jump in salary for 21. Mike Giardi reported of NFL Network. Perennial Pro Bowler is set to make $7 million. And I've talked about him before. Stephon Gilmore 
He doesn't expect Bill Belichick. He said before he doesn't expect Bill Belichick to trade him, and he also has said that he doesn't want to request a trade, which, you know, all the signs have pointed, and it sounds really genuine too, and all the signs have pointed towards he doesn't want to leave New England. He just wants to be paid like he should get paid. He just thinks that he, you know, he's just, he just thinks that he's, that he should be paid how a guy like, you know, a guy like how he's being called the best corner and the number one corner in the league should be paid. And so, of course, he'd be open if he doesn't want to get traded. Why else would you say all that and then not actually want to be open to a new deal? So, I'm excited that he doesn't personally want to be gone. He just is, you know, he just wants to get paid how he wants to get paid. And that he actually wants to stay in New England. You know, and that he's open to a multi-year deal. And I heard New England's trying really hard to get him a deal. I don't know if he keeps declining it or if they're just trying to work it out to where it would to where they could sign other players. I have no idea. Uh, hopefully it gets figured out. I like to say that it ends with a new deal. If not, he's likely gone after the end of the season, unfortunately. That or he signs one when he's a free agent. I don't know. But anyway, uh, next piece of news that the league is following is Geno Atkins still looking for a new team, actively searching former Bengal defensive tackles cleared for all football activity in mid-June, suffering a torn rotator cuff last season. Geno Atkins, who is now 33, will be taking visits, waiting, waiting interest from the team soon. Veteran defensive tackle had spent the entirety of his 11-year career in Cincinnati before being released in March. So you can't talk about that. Dolphins signed tackle Timon Paris. Offensive lineman spent last season with Washington, played four career games up to this point. Anyway, I guess let's move on because the next piece of information was what I was just about to talk about in this article, and that is that the Jaguars have agreed to terms with first-run running back Travis. You guys are going to have to – you guys have to excuse me for how I say his last name, Travis. Uh, I don't even know how to say his last name. Et, et, Etienne? Travis Aeon? I don't even know. I used to say Etienne, but Etienne, but I don't think that's right. Anyway, so NFL Network Insider NFL Network Insider Ian Rapport has reported Monday that the Drags agreed to terms with running back Edion, who will likely sign his four-year rookie contract today, which was yesterday. It's now been signed. Off as all first-round contracts, it's always a four-year deal with a team option on the fourth year. Or on excuse me. Four-year contracts with a deal including a fifth-year team option, meaning that the team can pick up that option and include them on a fifth-year deal, essentially making it a one-year deal because, obviously, that would only include a a plus one. So it would be technically just a restart on the contract and just be a one-year deal. But, yeah, that's the basic... You know, as far as contracts, you really don't have much wiggle room. And of course, every like every total deal can be different, but the you know the the design of it is as far as like details goes. No rookie actually has that type of 
ability to change that. But yeah, so with Travis now signing his rookie deal, meaning that there are just now five first-round picks left who have yet to sign the rookie deals. Number two overall pick, Zach Wilson of the Jets, saw us to sign Trey Lance of the 49ers, Rashawn Slater for the Chargers, Alaya Vera Tucker for the Jets, and Greg Newsom II for the Browns have all yet to sign their rookie deals. Zach Wilson, I would expect pretty soon considering we're getting real close to training camp now and you know you're gonna want I'm sure he knows he's gonna get signed but they're just kind of probably eyeing it out right now obviously don't get a guy like him and see the nice thing about getting signed the nice thing of for players like Zach Wilson who are in those types of situations at least you know you're gonna get signed because you're not gonna get a team isn't going to waste that type of draft pick on you and not sign you. So at least if you know you're in that type of situation, you're going to be signed. Uh, that would be a waste of a draft pick if they were to release them. Yeah, they could, but there's no point. And they're so bad of a team that it, what's what's really going to hurt, you know? And then the final thing today, though, is wide receiver Ted Ginn Jr. has officially announced his retirement after 14 NFL seasons. This was actually on July 16th, so this was a couple days ago. But so Ted Ginn Jr. once sprinted to a Division I scholarship and a first-round selection in the NFL draft. Now he's coasting into retirement. Ted Ginn Jr., after a 14-year NFL career, hanging up his cleats now, announced his retirement on Friday's edition of NFL Total Access and NFL Network. This is what he had to say, quote, sad to say, but not really sad to say, really joyful to say that I'm going to take my time and retire this year. I had a great career, little league to NFL. I have nothing to hold back. I enjoyed my time at every level. I played at the highest level. I'm just thankful to be able to have this time and it's joy and it's a joy, end quote. By so Ted Ginn Jr., elite speed, two-sport star at Cleveland's Glenville High School, playing quarterback, wide receiver, defensive back for the Tar Blooders football team, which was coached by his father, revered community figure Ted Ginn Sr., winning a national title in the 110-meter hurdles as part of Glenville's track and field team. Ginn's football exploits earned him All-American status in a trip to the U.S. Army All-American Bowl before signing to play football at Ohio State. Ted Ginn Jr., now 36, was a receiver and returner with the Buckeyes, becoming a three-time All-American and garnering all Big Ten first-team honors in 2006. Game-breaking speed was enough for the Miami Dolphins to spend the ninth overall pick on him in the 07 draft. Receiving career never reached this expectation placed upon him by his first-round selection. Proved to be quality secondary option in the passing game. Always that number two option, never that number one. Finishing with 5,742 career receiving yards, 33 touchdowns. Occasionally devastating in the return game. Scoring seven total return touchdowns, four punt return scores, three kick return touchdowns, and his 14 years total, but failed to make a Pro Bowl in his time in the NFL. Bounced around the league, moving from Miami, San Francisco in 2010. Way more effective in the return game that was in a traditional receiver. Found new life as a receiver in Carolina where he played for the Panthers in 13 and 15. 
in 13 and 15 to 16. Again, appeared in Super Bowl 50 in the 2015 season. Of course, they lost that game to Peyton Manning's Broncos as his last year. Ted Ginn Jr.'s best years and probably his most well-known years came in it and came when he played in Carolina, caught 134 passes for 2,047 yards, 19 touchdowns over the three seasons he spent with the Panthers. That production bought him a few more years in the NFL with the Saints, where he caught 100 passes for 1,417 yards and eight scores from 17 to 19. But anyway, guys, that is actually going to do it for today's episode of the Four Privilege Sports Show. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you guys for tuning in as well. I appreciate all the support as well that you guys have been showing me. Uh, it's just been absolutely crazy. But anyway, make sure to go ahead and read the podcast, both Google and Apple Podcasts, as well as just letting me know how long the episode was. And again, make sure to go to anchor.fm slash blitz. Again, anchor.fm slash blitz. Hit the follow button so you stay up to date with the NFL's offseason, you know, so that way I can get you the most recent information. You can stay up to date. But anyway, guys, that has been today's episode. Hope you guys have a great day, and I'll talk to you guys next time.